Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip interviews metal manufacturer Beth Mathis. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. righty, we are back with another podcast episode, and today, it's it's funny how life happens. I I was I was this morning talking to uh, like one of my best friends, like one of my two like longest friendships, and he has a manufacturing business, but it's like international because he lives in France. They create furniture. They ship the wood from Malawi uh, to to China right now, and then back to the U.S. and it's crazy, and uh. And he's going through all kinds of uh, just learning process. And I said, I said, hey, man, cool thing. I'm actually interviewing a uh, a manufacturer that's been doing it for a long time. And so um, make sure you listen to this episode. So we have uh, Beth Mathis. Her her company does manu- metal manufacturing. And we're going to talk about manufacturing today because I have a lot of questions on manufacturing. So thanks for coming, Beth. Nice to be here. All righty. So let's, 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 let's start off. What, what's, the, what's the name of your company? My company is called Thompson Mathis Metal Manufacturing. And 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 how'd you how'd you get into the metal manufacturing business? Well, um, longtime family friends of my mother's were the Thompsons, and back in the '90s, early '90s, my father, who was an attorney, decided that was no longer a career pursuit he cared for, and we moved to Dallas. And Mr. T. Um, asked daddy if he wanted to come work at the shop <laughs> and um, my dad having loved construction as a kid um, he built one of our houses and when we grew up and he came into the business and loved it and decided to buy it for Mr. Thompson and so I started working for him in the summers um, cleaning the warehouse <laughs> and uh, I ended up my father passed away in 2001 and I ended up, you know, after five years of working in the warehouse and then doing accounting and sales, <laughs> I was in in a position to um, take over and buy the company from my mother. So mm. that's kind of how I ended up here. <laughs> wow. So five, yeah, five, five years and then you, you went, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing the, 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 the real hard work. And then you, Man, in the CEO seat, I bet that's I bet that's a whole episode. We won't go like that. Would take a whole two hour episode. A transition. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, so 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 t- it's interesting. So that, that time frame though is around the time when the U.S. like when manufacturing changed a, a lot. Because and I, I'm only going from history, but I know over the last twenty years was like the big part of when we start doing a lot of manufacturing um, outside of the U.S. Um, so, so, like, what, what are some of the changes you've seen, like, over the years of being in the business? Well, for us, it's basically been um, more hands-on type manufacturing where we use, like, six machines to make one product. Mm. And maintaining those machines is, is difficult, and it's hard to find people who can maintain those machines. It's just a very 
difficult process to make the downspot elbows that we make and sell nationally. Probably the biggest changes I've seen are changes in um, the price of metal, um, the price of uh, shipping and packaging and um, trying to keep your price competitive while all the other, while all of your um, materials and costs are going up. We're trying to keep everything running smoothly and produce a quality product that we can be competitive with. <laughs> Got it. So like, and and we talked offline, but you, you, you have a pretty niche product, right? Yeah. Um, we're one of the few elbow manufacturing companies in the United States. There are a few competitors and they only make a few elbows, but they have these, they have better technology machines than we do. Mine are from the 1930s. <laughs> So um, they just pop out quickly elbows that are a good quality, but I, I still think ours are better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, what, and what are elbows? For most of our um, manufacturing products are for the roofing and guttering industry. Okay. So um, we manufacture custom gutters and residential gutters, commercial gutters. And the, the elbow is going to be the part that kind of curves when it goes off the top of the gutter mm-hmm. and it bits and it go, attaches to the downspout, but it's how you make the curves. So you go from an E and it curves and then it goes back to the wall and it curves and those are the elbows. Okay. No, that, that, that makes complete sense. Uh, I, I have gutters and I, you know, the side story was I used to, my dad used to make me help him clean the gutters as a kid. And so I, 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 I so that is not a fun job. Oh, uh, no. I, cause I couldn't figure out, you know how like you, like you grow up and then you don't like something. You're like, why do I not like that? I, I used to, I, I did not like gutters on my house. I mean, we had them, but I just hated the gutters. And I was like, oh yeah, my dad used to make me clean the gutters. I hated them things. So yeah, trauma, traumatized, traumatized, but I'm, I appreciate the life lesson. And, and then, and this, this is one part of the manufacturing business that I, I also still struggle to understand a bit, right? So you have like, you have a, you have niche manufacturing and, and most of your clients are, are, are they in the U.S. or are they all over? Primarily just the United States. Uh, okay. Yours is pretty protected, but so maybe this is like a, a, a general, and I, I mean protected in the sense where it's niche, it's U.S. Mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But what, what, what I could never understand was, and there's probably a reason, like if somebody's, manufacturing something and let's just say you know china right you have to factor in labor cost specialization cost uh quality transportation cost um you know i would imagine like all, all of those things for some other products are like that much cheaper when you count that in than just doing it here in in the u.s or like what's the consideration that some of these i guess you may not know because you're in your lane well, but for me i i sell to um distributors so okay. I ship my product to California or um, Pennsylvania, and then they ship it back to Central America. I mean, to or to the the U.S. and the you know they'll ship it to Kansas or. Okay. So I mean, there's that co- extra cost of them me shipping from Texas to Pennsylvania and them shipping to Chicago or or to um, South Dakota or you know. So in the end, you know that really increases my price or their the uh, the purchaser's price you got it so 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 you'll That's you'll you'll, you'll you'll make it and you worry about your cost to them and then they worry about their cost to sell to whoever they're selling to that makes yeah. that, that makes sense yeah. um, i mean an elbow like this <laughs> could you know may cost 
me, I'll sell it for six bucks. Um, it's going to be almost 18 by the time it gets to the retail market. And these little bitty ones, we really only sell in California. <laughs> so, mm. It's amazing, but <laughs> I'd like to be able to sell them direct. <laughs> well, and that actually was one of my questions, right? Because you got all these direct businesses going direct to consumer. Is that is that something that's realistic in manufacturing or possible, you think? I believe you shouldn't step on your distributor's toes. Locally, I sell my elbows directly to sheet metal shops, gutter companies, but I would never um, directly sell it to a, a briefing company in California because I, I want my distributor to be able to sell my product and buy it in huge quantities and distribute it without me having to you know do these little little sales in between. Do you think, well, this doesn't apply to you because you already sell mostly in the U.S., but do you mm-hmm. think manufacturing in general is, is going to, over the next few years, come back more to the U.S.? Do you see that happening? I believe it will, but I've, we still, in the U.S., have higher costs for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, higher costs for steel production, higher costs for shipping, um, higher costs, obviously, for labor and insurance. And um, so that's a deterrent. When you can actually, when you can go to China or Taiwan and get the same product made for way less, and then you, your profit margin is much larger in the end. So, I'd like to see more in the U.S., but I don't know if we'll be able to be competitive in that and in, in manufacturing. Got, got it, got it. Yeah. And for those who don't, who don't know. Um, I think that that you know, and it's not a political statement. This is just me understanding like m- money and politics. That that was a big reason why Trump was beefing with uh, with China because they're you know they artificially keep their currency uh, cheap um, to which which hurts our manufacturing businesses, right? So um, yeah. that's that's where that that's that's the core of that beef um, mm. that, that they that they were having for those who who were wondering why. Why he was Twitter battling with uh, what's his name, Xi Jinping? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then you also mentioned something that's pretty curious. So you 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 have machines, but there's um, humans involved in the process for for manufacturing for you, right? Yes. Yes. And and and, and you mentioned that was pretty unique. So can, like, how, how does that work? So you have the machine, but you need a human to operate it to. Right. For every elbow. There's, we have a machine that will roll the metal and somebody's got to hand roll it. And then it goes into another machine that crimps it. And so somebody's got to be holding it to do it. And then it's either spot welded or um, tabbed or riveted. So each step requires a human being. And just like with all of our other machines, um, our gutter machines, our um, shears and brakes, you have to have at least two people on each machine. You got it. I, I would imagine, though, hum, humans, and this is just kind of a general statement, I don't know, but humans, the more humans involved, doesn't that increase the quality? I mean, less humans, lo- lower quality, more humans, more quality? Yeah, because you can actually um, see if something's coming out wrong the minute it happens. Mm-hmm. Or when you have a, a manufacturing plant that just shoots stuff out, they can't look at every piece. Mm-hmm. So my guys actually look at every piece, and if there's anything wrong with it, it gets thrown in the recycle bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know, I don't want to, you know, 
send someone in a poor quality product and have it come back to me. I, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, that, that makes sense. And and so um, we'll go to the principles, right? So, so a, a manufacturing business, like you said, is, is, is a, a very tough business because you have to, you have to, you know, you have to get the sales, but then you have to um, manage cost and the cost from 2001 to now when you took over, right? You had the early 2000s where the cost of raw material like went up and then it went down and then, (laughs) (laughs) and then went up. So, you know, what are some of the things that you did to manage that process? Well, lately it's been a constant because, you know, in 2008, um, prices soared mm-hmm. with the with materials and um, shipping and boxing and everything just went through the roof. And so you're changing your price, and then like a year later it drops. So then you're changing your price because your customers that you deal with know that prices have gone down. And then you know the next year it goes back up. So you're constantly having to keep track of the cost of everything and um, changing the price every year to make sure your customers um, have a fair price for the product that they're getting. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's a lot of work because we, in September, I got a metal price increase. I let my vendor or my distributors know that I would have to go up in my price by December. I give them a couple months so they can adjust their pricing. And then in November, I got another 7% increase. I'm getting another 7% percent increase this week and I'm getting another one in January. So I may have to restructure my pricing again. Mm. It, do you, do you ever, and is, and I know some businesses, do, do you ever like use the futures markets to, to lock in the price to hedge your, you know, to hedge your bets on pricing? Um, it's easier to do that with copper um, and aluminum than tin. Mm. Yeah, that, that, yeah that, that's not a big market, right? That's probably not even. Yeah, you never hear a ten trading on the futures. Yeah. Oh, if you, I have, you know, because we have a lot of, you know, scrap steel left over, and it's literally like three cents a pound that they'll give you for for steel. <laughs> I can send them at like five thousand pounds of steel to the scrapyard and get one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> right. And I actually get a flat tire. <laughs> Mm-hmm. driving into those places so it's an upside down deal for me yeah 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 no that <laughs> makes complete sense what, what what are some of the principles you've used to run your business over the years primarily i feel that respecting your employees taking good care of your employees and maintaining good customer relationships and respecting your customers and just overall good customer service with my um i've had we've had the same customers for 30, 40 years. Mm. A lot of our business is word of mouth. So I feel it's important to make sure that we give our customers the best service we can so that they can, they'll pass our name on to someone who, when, when they need something made out of metal. Because <laughs> <laughs> we do all kinds of, we do dormers and chimney caps and bar tabletops and vents and we build stuff for texas instruments and we do all kinds of smaller project jobs out of metal and we do it by hand with it 
the most quality in mind and the best price we can give. And that that's how we have developed our our niche in the in the market in Dallas. I have an audience question. Can they can can they make obelisk? What's what's? I mean, let me clarify with the audience. What's what's an obelisk? The the audience is my audio engineer, Steve. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago in Utah, there was that oh. that obelisk <laughs> that came out of nowhere. It looked like a big piece of stainless steel, and the question was, can this uh, Thompson Mason uh, make a uh, make an obelisk? I'm not sure. <laughs> I guess that was my sheet metal master. Yeah, okay, right. Did you know he's talking about that? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see it. Yeah, it just popped up out of nowhere like an alien might have dropped it there was an insinuation. Yeah, it was like some random like metal thing that just popped up in the middle of the desert in Nevada or somewhere, Utah. And uh, and people were like, where'd that come from? And everybody went to go uh, look at it. It looked like a UFO. Out. Yeah, maybe like some aliens dropped there, you know. <laughs> So uh, it's made out of stainless steel. It probably yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it looked too like it looked too out of a space age movie to be like dropped by aliens. I'm like, if aliens drop something, it's not going to look like what we think it looks like in Stargate or something. Uh, so no, but I'll, I'm I'm a space nerd, so I pay attention to that story because I was like, oh man, yes, aliens! Finally, we get to meet them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day, hopefully, in our lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ho- ho- Hope it's like it's like everything else. You're like, I'm kind of excited, but I'm kind of nervous because, like, what if they are not friendly and they have more weapons than we do? More power. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not going to be fun. Um, yeah. Here's my my um, last two questions. So, to run a business and be successful as long as you have, you, you, I think you have to have a good, you know, mind, body, and spirit. So, are the things you do to strengthen your your mind, body, and spirit? I've always. Um, been an athlete and love enjoying White Rock Lake with my dogs and cycling and walking around. Um, always been a member of a gym and yoga, meditation. I like doing that. But a, lot, a couple of years ago, I did a program called Mozzie, and they actually help you um, shed all your baggage and and open your mind and kind of let go of your past and help you focus on the future and how you want to live your life and how, what meaning you need or want in your life um, to have a purposeful life. Mm. Um, that was a very good program. It, it really helped me and some of my friends um, get focused and, you know, just kind of shed that, the baggage from your past. <laughs> Yeah, that's that sounds that sounds awesome. I, I, I and you mentioned yoga. I want to I want to get more into yoga. It's just it's, I did it one time and it's so tough. Have, have you ever done hot yoga before? I heard that's pretty. I heard that's yeah. astronomically difficult. Yoga is to me is it's like meditation. It's the stretching of your muscles. It, it, to me, if if I picked only one exercise that I ever did for the rest of my life, it would definitely be yoga. I, I, I can. It, see. it works every single muscle. <laughs> It, it 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 really is like I I like to do Muay Thai and I much rather go like get punched in the face for two hours than do yoga because <laughs> yoga is tired. I mean, it, like not tiring, it's tough. You it know? is. It, but it, but but yeah. I like it after I did the it. The more you I, do it, the better you get at it. Is that yeah? Because it it's, it forces you to slow your brain down. I feel like I feel like I struggle with it so much because I like to like go, and then it forces you to like stop. It does. 
it is very helpful in helping you slow your mind down. Yeah, yeah. So maybe and you're and you're meditating at the same time because you are you have to focus on your breathing, you have to focus on your pose, and you have to be like that for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I need it. I need it because I struggle with it. So you, this this conversation. I think it'll, it'll help me do one one more yoga exercise that'll 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 hold me for three months. I my 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 hope is just to slowly keep talking about it till I'm doing it. Like I think once a week, you know, would be a success story for me in 2021. You know, if I can get it to once a week at some point, I think that would be success for me, right? Then maybe then we'll talk about more times. How, how often do you do yoga? Um. Well, before COVID. <laughs> I was doing it um, at least three times a week, but um, I have not um, been at the gym or the yoga studio since COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah, have, have you have you seen those um those those mirror the mirror thing? Yeah, I have seen that. That looks cool. It, yeah, it because like initially when I saw the conversation, I rolled my eyes and I was like, my wife's name Kelly. I was like, Kelly, look at them. They're just trying to sell some stuff, and then. I thought about it and I was like, well, no, I was like training with my Muay Thai coach virtually on my iPhone, like squinting, bending over. I was like, it would have yeah. been great to have a big screen to just look at them and see what, you know, see the different moves. So I was like, actually, that's a pretty, you know, nice investment for like, you know, martial arts, uh, yoga, just anything where you have to see what your uh, coach or trainer is doing. We, we bought a Peloton and that's, um, that's been helpful. Yeah, I had to, well, I, I ended up taking my office and turning it into my home office into a, a private little gym with, you know, I put my bicycle in there and I've got an elliptical and weights and yoga equipment and mm. an inversion table. <laughs> and stuff. So I'm like, I guess this is the new gym. <laughs> yep, this, this, this is the new normal. Well, la, yes. la, la, last question. What is, what is your favorite sport and favorite team, favorite sports team? Um, Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Green Bay Packers. I bet you're getting a lot of trouble here in in, in in Dallas. Well, I I played basketball most of my life, and um, so I love basketball. Um, obviously, the Mavericks on my team, but um, as far as football, I'm a Green Bay fan. Yeah, yeah. there there, and, and obviously, you know, there's there's a lot of cheeseheads here. Like they got like a whole bar here. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I've been to it. <laughs> <laughs> It's in the hood. But uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was super shocked. It's I was funny, like, yeah. I, I, I had to, you know, I get curious and I was like, why are there so many Green Bay Packers fans? And so then somebody's like, yeah, Philip, back in the day, you, you know, on TV, you really only watched like the Cowboys and like the Packers. I think, um, I, I don't know how long ago that was, but they were breaking it down. They were like, yeah, you, those were, and I don't, maybe it was a special day. Maybe it was Christmas or Thanksgiving, but there was only yeah. like two teams that you could watch on TV because of some of the rights deals or something like that. I don't know. I'm probably messing up the story, but <laughs> that's why there's so many Green Bay and Cowboys teams. And I think right, Green Bay is the one that, that argues with the Cowboys over who's America's team. Isn't that Green Bay? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, well, cool. Well, I appreciate you taking time out to uh, talk to me and educate me and my audience. And uh, thank, you know, I just appreciate you. A- anything else you want to share with the audience that you think is, important, useful, helpful. Stay healthy and stay safe and wear your mask. <laughs> All right. And and if there's any <laughs> if there's anybody who needs to get some metal work done, how, what's the best way to reach out to you? 
you can look at what we do at thompsonmetal.com or you can call us at our office at 214-826-1630. Awesome. Awesome. Thank, thanks, Beth. You have a good one. And, uh, All right. You too. And I'm, Appreciate uh, it. Those of you who haven't been at my website, go to stonehillwealthmanagement.com. Click on the 401k tab. We got a Stonehill 401k service that you've probably heard about. It's great for businesses that are small businesses, businesses between zero and maybe 150 employees. Uh, we provide love and service to the employees about how to plan and invest for retirement and a whole host of other uh, benefits that we give. It's all on the site. Check it out, stonehill401k.com. We create startup plans and help with selecting the investments and educating and advising our clients on how to invest and how to best reach their retirement goals. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.